Hello and welcome to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. You're listening to an On Sunday episode, which is a weekly episode where the pastors of the church get together in a dank basement to talk about what happened on Sunday. Even though it's a Monday and it probably won't come out until Tuesday, this is On Sunday. You can email us questions that you want us to discuss in the future uh, by emailing office at canbychristian.org. If you just want more information about the church, go to canbychristian.org as well. I'm Cody. I'm Rob. And I'm Aaron. And we're the pastors of Canby Christian Church, and we're going to jump right into our discussion. But first, I wanted to say to you, Aaron, that I, I really appreciate you. And it seems like there were other people that also appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, the church on Sunday, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah. It was, well, it was fun. Yes, it was Pastor Appreciation Month in October, and which is a funny thing because um, I, yeah, I feel appreciated a lot by people throughout the year, and it's kind of one of those things like uh, Valentine's Day, you know? It's like that day in the year when some buddy tells you you should tell your wife that you love her or whatever and uh <laughs> so yeah it should know. be an everyday it should be thing. an everyday yeah. and i know you guys all feel appreciated by our church and and i Absolutely. do as well and so i appreciate the appreciation that was uh <laughs> shared uh but yeah dave's dave's funny and and I know that some several people came to dave and dave and everybody from what i heard the story afterward was they all had this little conniving plan of showing appreciation to to us. It's hard to keep things a secret, though, in a small oh, yeah. church, and especially when he comes to one of you guys or something and says, hey, I just need like a minute on to announce something. Yeah. And it's like, well, what is it? <laughs> I can't tell you. Yeah, no, that's not going to fly. <laughs> it doesn't no, work that you. way. So, yeah, it was hard to keep it a little bit of a secret. But, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, we were – surprised and felt appreciated and and blessed and thankful for for them to do that and everybody who also participated in that um we're thankful for the appreciation yeah well and dave's earned our trust too oh yeah it's not like he's like some disgruntled guy that's like i just want to talk to everyone real quick (laughs) and i can't tell you what it's about (laughs) right right yeah (laughs) Yeah. he's an, an elder of our church so yeah we voted him in yeah he was trying to be funny about it though he mentioned before church like hopefully my announcement isn't too shocking for anyone right (laughs) he was trying to he was trying to make people square yeah and and he uh, yeah and he knows me and he knows what like one of my pet peeves or personality pet peeves is that i don't like being in the dark yeah. Like if someone's intentionally holding when, w- information from me, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's just never, a, I don't think anyone feels very good about that, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So even if it is good information, you know, you're just like, right. am I, I'm in the dark about something and I don't like being in the dark. And so, but uh, that's what he enjoyed was watching me squirm with it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so <laughs> it, it, it was, uh, yeah. yeah, it was funny. But yeah, no, we, I definitely feel appreciated. And I mean, the church is just, in a really healthy place and everybody's uh, I feel like focused and we're all unified and we understand what we're supposed to be doing as a church. And um, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's a really, really good time. And, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it's been a hard season. I was meeting with a pastor this last week and he was kind of a mentor uh, up in Portland and he was asking me some questions about the church and I was sharing some of the things that are going on. And sometimes you need a little bit of an outside perspective um, 
because he was pretty blown away, pleasantly blown away by some of the things that I was telling him was happening because that's not what he's hearing from the other churches. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're struggling. People are struggling to um, come back, recover from COVID, either that's financial or that's just person, people coming back. Um, Issues of division that maybe they survived and weathered for 18 months are now not because people are growing weary of mandates or restrictions or whatever it is. And so he was really, really excited and encouraged to hear about what is happening here. And, and in regard to appreciation, that's not just like our leadership uh, decisions, but also the, the rest of the staff, um, Melody, Ashley, and, and the elders, um, mm-hmm. Dave and Sean and Brandon. I mean, we're in the place that we're in right now because those guys – and the rest of the staff leadership made courageous decisions over yeah. the last two years. Um, and not, not reckless and not cowardice, you know, but just courageous <coughs> decisions. And we, and they were smart and calculated and we just move forward. And I, I appreciate the congregation trusting us yeah. and saying, Hey, let's move forward and let's do it in a wise way. And uh, I feel like the Lord is blessing that faith yeah. that we took moving forward and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for it. Yeah. It's funny thinking back over like a pretty short period of time, uh, how many different weird styles of ministry we had to do <laughs> like the all online, the like yeah. three simultaneous services throughout the yes. build, like all the weird stuff that people just stuck it out and yeah, it was great. But yeah, we all felt appreciated. Yeah. We're taking our wives out to a nice dinner soon. Yes. Tonight. Mm-hmm. So yes, like <laughs> we appreciate them for sure. Yeah, they put up with a lot. But I mean, we have, I mean, we can go like you bringing up that. Like, I remember last year we gave uh, like a water bottle with a sticker on it to a, bu- <laughs> to a bunch of people who, yeah. who really stepped it up right. um, during, during COVID and lockdowns. Like, I mean, my mind drifts to like Ashley Bentley and Gordon and I mean, just a ton of people who yeah. stepped it up. And we're here, faithful, every single week. And when there was reason to complain, we chose not to complain or, or to gripe or to be frustrated or to grow weary. It's like, hey, we just got to put our heads down and go. And I'm so appreciative of so many other people um, for for their sacrifice and service, too. I mean, we exactly. wouldn't be here without them. So uh, the list could go on and on, but we don't have time in the podcast to list everybody. They, <laughs> they, they know who they are. Let's just go down the whole membership list. The whole yeah. list, Let's just yeah. call them on. <laughs> yeah, One day. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. One day. <clears throat> Rob, how about you? Good week? It was. Yeah, it was a good week. Had some friends in from uh, from SoCal. They actually came up to do a photo like uh, retreat, and then they joined us for church on Sunday yeah. to uh, help us. Yeah, and they really I think cool. they did a good job, had a, some good hangs with them. Um, but in addition, um, importantly, one of our new uh, friends to the church was baptized, uh, Sean, yeah. Uh, who's been here about a month. Yeah. yeah Although I think kid. he's visited in the past when he was younger. Yeah, yeah a long time ago. Yeah. So he, he kind of came uh, in recent weeks as a 17-year-old young dude just thoughtful about the fact that he was in need of God. Mm-hmm. And he came here and had multiple meetings with Aaron and with, with Cody and with myself. And um, I, I appreciate his, like he, he, you know, really wanted to jump 
in with both feet mm-hmm. and he was really patient as we sort of, uh, you know, wanted to really talk with him, get to know him and understand what was going on. And he, and, uh, yeah, after those meetings, he was, he was all in and got baptized this Sunday. It was really, really a sweet thing. The second baptism I've been able to, uh, be a part of here at the church. I just yeah, grateful cool. to see people, you know, publicly putting their faith in Christ and using it as an opportunity to open the door for others, you know, and ev- I, I feel like after every time we include a baptism in our service, um, inevitably there's one or two discussions following about, yeah, I need to get baptized mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, so that, that is a part of the act. That's why it's a public, um, profession. It, it, it basically, you know, um, pictures the gospel mm-hmm. in a way that people can grasp and it really pushes them, motivates them to do that. So yeah, it was a super cool thing. And, um, <clears throat> he, I thought he did such a good job sharing his story mm-hmm. totally, and just getting up there, speaking boldly and, uh, going for it. Cause it's not, it's a little bit nerve wracking. You're, you know, you're standing in front of hundreds mm-hmm. or maybe not quite that much, but, uh, you know, a full congregation there and, uh, it can get, it can get a little bit difficult. Yeah. And he stood up there and boldly proclaimed right. like what Jesus has done for him. Mm-hmm. And we were all able to celebrate. So it was, it was a really good time for sure. And 17 years old, you haven't done a ton of public oh, yeah. speaking <laughs> in front of that many people. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. nerve wracking, yeah. but yeah, it's been fun. He's been real committed and yeah, I know the discipleship will happen for him just because mm-hmm. of his mm-hmm. desire to be here every Sunday, be at youth group mm-hmm. every Wednesday. Um, and yeah, it's going to be exciting to see what God does in his life. But we were, we were laughing about, uh, he, he wanted to help around the church wherever he could. And he came to trunk or treat and he got put on the, on the cotton candy thing and just like sat there all night, two hands making, (laughs) you know, like, I don't know. 500 cotton candy cones like oh, no. and we were joking about how, like oh yeah you want to follow jesus <laughs> count the cost make, some make, cotton candy. Make, make 500 <laughs> cotton candies for all these random people yeah it reminded me of the karate kid mr miyagi you want you want to learn how to do karate okay wax my car <laughs> paint the fence some, yeah sometimes yeah. exactly sometimes it works that way but i going back to the sermon last week and th- that idea of like answering god's call Sean, Sean reminds me of that because when I chatted with him, we had set up a time to meet right after a men's huddle and he wanted to ask me questions about what does it look like to be a Christian? And so I, I was sort of asking him, what does, what does he already know? You know, tell me what you right. know about following Jesus. Tell me the gospel. And it was interesting because he felt this call inside of him. I, I need God. I need to go to church. But yet the necessity of, okay, now I'm in church, like I have this sort of like inside of me irresistible desire and pull to come. And that's that like still small voice of God saying, hey, you need to get right because you're not right. Mm -hmm. But then like what Paul talks about in chapter 10, well, how will they call on him? So responding to God's call with their own call, how will they call on him unless someone shares with them the gospel basically. And, and I'm having this conversation with Sean and I'm able to share the gospel with him um, and sort of clarify, like, what does it actually mean to believe in God? Uh, who is Jesus? What did he do for you? And what does it mean to be a follower of him? And uh, it, I don't know, it just kind of reminded me of how, how that works. Just because you feel that tug doesn't mean you still at the same time don't need to hear the gospel right. and, and then be challenged to exercise faith 
uh, in the gospel. And so, and he's done that. And it was funny because I was chatting with him and, and he was like, yeah, yeah, I think I, I want to do that. I think I'm ready to, to commit my life to Christ and get baptized. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, uh, why don't you, why don't we talk about it again in a week? And cause we want to make sure people aren't making an emotional response either. Um, and, and he did, and he met with Rob the next week or Cody, I think he met with you and then he mm-hmm. met with Rob yep. and it's, you know, each step of the way it's been like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And then all the way up to where he's jumping in the water. So yeah, that was super rad. Yep. I think it's a part of counting the cost, right? That's what Jesus talks about in, in the gospels. Yeah. You know, if you're going to go out to war count your count, count your it. soldiers if you're going to build sure. build a house make sure you have you know so i think that was and i think he took that really well too which only speaks to his maturity and his true desire to follow christ yeah. you know yeah yeah and yeah something beyond that changing the subject i uh did something funny i've been having to cut my own hair lately because <laughs> my because my barber moved to arizona uh cry cry and so I've been cutting my own hair and I was using these clippers and the clip fell off and I just straight buzzed the back of my head, just like totally <laughs> wrecked it. And, uh, it was a funny moment. I'm wondering how am I going to recover from this? So I had to, I had to figure it out and cut my own hair. And that would have been really hilarious though. When, if I had this big old buzz on the back of my head. When I saw the, the picture on Saturday, when I saw the picture, I thought, all hope was lost. <laughs> <laughs> and this was the night before, like, like staff pictures yeah, and yeah, all that we're yeah. doing for the website. That's a miraculous uh, yeah. redemption story. It right was there. so like that's got to be so a sermon funny. illustration. And your so hair funny. looks good. The best, Dude, it looks great. You pulled it's it miracle. off. <laughs> it's funny what a uh, what a mirror can do when you can actually see what you're doing. Um, yeah, that was just hilarious. And the yeah. more hilarious thing is that's not the first time that's happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> no. It has happened before. Oh, my God. Not as bad as that one, though. That was pretty bad. But, yeah, it's, I, I was tempted for one second to buzz my head, and I'm like, I can't do it. I cannot do it. Have you ever shaved your oh, head? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. from, I think, my junior and senior year and just right out of high school maybe. Uh, I was like full on no clip, bald, like almost bicked head nice. for like over two years for a long time. Yeah, it was, it was anyway, that was just cause mm. I was bored. I didn't want to like do my hair. You just shaved it. Yeah. So I just yeah. shaved it all off. That's a decent reason. It's just, yeah. you know, there's things that are associated with that kind of haircut. Yeah. That- <laughs> which is in this, my case, laziness. <laughs> I didn't want to do my hair. Yeah. <laughs> And there yeah, were, yeah. you know, styles change over time, and I totally, I just, yeah, did that. Yeah, that was that was. A, I got a good laugh out of that though. Michelle yeah. seems like she got a great oh, laugh out of Michelle's it. Michelle's well. sense of humor is if someone falls, she laughs. <laughs> if someone buzzes their head and does something like yeah. that, she laughs. Yeah, that's that's where. If someone gets scared and she sees them react or whatever, she laughs. You know, yeah. that's that's Michelle's humor. Right. That's really funny. <laughs> Unless it's her, then it's not funny. <laughs> then it's why are you laughing? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. Nice. Well, you just like your hair was not done nope. growing. <laughs> God also is not done. Good transition. In the, in the passage we are reading today. And uh, it's we've actually we were discussing it earlier uh in our staff meeting trying to figure out What's the best way to understand this idea that uh, 
that this thing that's happening is intended to make the nation of Israel jealous. Mm. Right? There's kind of a strange if you we always have this really negative connotation of jealous, but we talked about even the Bible says that God is a jealous God. So maybe there's kind of more than one way of thinking about that. Mm-hmm. As you were studying, preparing the passage, did you kind of look at that one twice or? Yeah, you know, I think that, and that's kind of the purpose of this podcast is to talk about the things that aren't necessarily uh, like contingent on meaning for the text mm. that would be brought into a sermon on Sunday. I mean, I could talk for two hours about all the things that I read or, or more hours um, and discovered and, and all that other stuff, but I don't want to hear myself that long and nobody else wants to. So I have to pare it down to what is the simple message and then support that. Um, so that's where I landed on this. Uh, God is not done. He's not done with Israel um, because that's their question. Like, <clears throat> is, is God done with us? Because a ton of our people don't believe. Hmm. And so is that is that on us primarily? Is it also on God? Um, but yeah, so the topic of jealousy I also know it's going to come up again next week okay. in the next passage. Nice. So instead of sort of hitting on it again twice or hitting on it twice, I, I sort of left it. I feel like he's leaving it as a, as a placeholder here, and then he's going to come back to it a little bit more again and spell it out a little bit more. The same with how he ends at the the last verse I read, which was um, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Like, what does that mean? Well, he talks about that also again in the next section. He just kind of leaves that again as a placeholder. Um, yeah, I feel like this section was a little bit more about that that sort of thesis statement that he makes uh, in verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. It's it's just like a, it's it's a bold statement. This is how faith comes. So then based on that statement, you have this unsettling feeling of, well, how come the Jews don't have faith that would have led to righteousness? And so then there's these rhetorical questions that are being asked. Is it because they didn't hear? If faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ, well, then is the initial reason they didn't hear it? And of course he answers that, no, they did hear it. Um, And then he asks the next question, well, is it that they didn't understand? Did they not comprehend? Um, But I think one of the bigger things that's important in this passage is to make sure we know who Paul is talking to, the they. Who are the they? He's talking about the Jews Mm. because we could have, and I mentioned this a little bit, like we could easily slip into a more general application of this and think he's talking about everybody who has not heard the gospel, uh, what happens to them. And again, that is an important discussion uh, in regard to universalism or uh, inclusive is all, all those other sort of terms that we think about. Um, universalism. I think I already said that, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, I did. And those terms that we think about people who are, are lost because they never heard, but this is specifically talking about the Jews. And so it's, it's good to stay <clears throat> focused on the, the, the intended audience of this passage. Um, uh, but yeah, the jealousy word coming back to that is, uh, yeah, we were chatting about that earlier and, it is it is difficult because there's such a negative connotation with it in our modern day sort of vernacular. Um, but I think, let me see here. He says in verse 19, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. 
with a foolish or not understanding, like they lack understanding, which was kind of the point he was bringing to, did they not understand? So they were a, a nation of not understanding and they will make you angry. But the jealousy here, I, I think it's put in the negative context, but I think for us as Christians, it's a fascinating thing because like I tell my kids all the time, like, don't be jealous. But sometimes you say, don't like you tell your kids or you tell somebody else like, Hey, don't, don't you want what I have? Don't you want like mm-hmm. a good relationship with your spouse? You know, don't you want, um, a good relationship with your kids and, or you see someone, I think that that was kind of my story early on coming to Christ was I was dating a girl and, her parents had a great marriage and and they their kids respected them. And I just remember looking at them and thinking, I want what they have. And if I keep going down the road I'm going, I will never have what they have. Mm. And in one sense, I was jealous, but not in a negative way. That that jealousy sort of led me to think about um, the, the choices I was making <clears throat> in my life. And I think that's kind of what he's talking about here is – Israel was made jealous in that they saw what the Gentiles were experiencing Mm -hmm. and, and they wanted in, you know, maybe another word that we could use is like inspire, like, or aspire. Like you see someone you aspire to that thing that's has a more positive connotation than jealousy, but a similar idea behind it. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is like a positive way to sort of a positive way to think about jealousy in that in that sense. Yeah, you aspire to the 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 oddity of it, though, is that the Jews had it first Mm -hmm. and neglected it. And then the Gentiles uh, acquired faith through the revelation, through the gospel, Mm -hmm. which we'll get into next week. So I don't want to have, you know, be a little redundant here. Um, So they saw what they missed out on. And that, I think, in one sense, makes it a little bit more oh, yeah. helpful to use the word jealous. Right, right. You know what there's I mean? There's like a sting yeah. there. There's yes. A, there's a, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, but what was interesting is you kind of, it seemed to me, almost had like two introductions. Yeah. You know, you were kind of going back and forth on these two ideas of the yeah. whole, it's not about you, which I thought was helpful. Like, hey, this is about the Jews. Yeah. And at times we make everything all about us. So I think that's a good cautionary thing but the other side of it is like uh you know god is not finished there's a work in progress Mm -hmm. and you gave the analogy of the finished carpentry which i thought was helpful but i mean in light in along those lines um as we see the the jewish people they're obviously responding um you know to paul's arguments here and he's sort of bringing them into the conversation and saying like what now we like you know what is there any hope for us and all these questions um we can feel like that as well, right? Is that sort of an extrapolation that, that because uh, they are a work in progress, sometimes we can lose sight of that reality, yeah. that, that all of us are in some sense a work in progress, that God is not finished with us. <clears throat> and I thought you pulled that out just you know, as a, a way for us to, to look at this situation and think through how, what are the implications for us a little bit in light of that. Um, so I don't know, what are some of the strategies or the things that we do to kind of overcome that discouragement that we have when we look at our life and we say, I, I want you know, I want to see the end and I don't see it and I'm in the middle of mm-hmm. whatever I'm in, you know? Yeah. I, I think 
I think the finished carpentry thing, only because I, and if anyone's done construction, like I was looking at um, Brian Olson, who is sitting out there who does finished carpentry and, and even rough car- carpentry and things like that. And I, I almost wanted to mention it to him because I could, I knew he knew exactly what I was talking about. If, if you've painted, if you've done any sort of like uh, work like that in somebody's home, the, the customer obviously they're the customer so they want what they want right hey i want this stair or i want this color i want that but then when it happens they're like oh i didn't know it was going to look like that or you know they start getting a little bit um confused or fickle on on what it is they want and they they know the product that they're looking for but they don't understand the process and so the the person doing the work they understand both of those things they understand the process and the product and and the customer controls the product they control what what is going to happen but they also sometimes want to control the process and and i think as believers we want to control both too but god controls both of those things Mm -hmm. he controls the product you're going to be conformed into the image of jesus and we don't really even know what that looks like in the end. I mean, we, we understand righteousness and we understand um, the fruit of the spirit and all of these things, but God is the one who understands the, the product that he is trying to produce in us. And, and he again, understands the process by which he's going to do that in each one of us and in us as a church and corporately and things like that. But we want to control the process by which God does that as well. And that's when it gets really rough for us when Mm -hmm. we try and control God and say, Hey, no, this is how it's going to be done. Or, or we get confused. Um, like when I would go into somebody's house and we would rip their stare out and they're really excited about the product, but then they, they get a little bamboozled by the, how hard and inconvenient the process is. They, they're not able to walk up their stairs or it's dusty in their house or whatever it is. And, and, uh, I mean, in, in the Christian life, it's the same way. I mean, that's why it's important for us when we meet with a guy like Sean and we tell him all the good news of the gospel and what God's going to do mm-hmm. in your life. It's like, Hey, but dude, it's not going to be easy right here in the beginning. You know, like there's going to be these things and we help them to count the cost. Um, and, uh, and again, helping people to understand like God is in control of both of those things, the product and the process. And I, I feel like that's helpful. Yeah. Like I think our modern sensibilities is to want the finished product right away as fast as possible. Uh, instant gratification is the, Mm. is the way our, you know, culture seems to be working right now. Yeah. That's not the way the the gospel functions mm-hmm. in our life. Sanctification is a can be, you know, a slow and long lifelong it is process and uh, I think yeah, just knowing that. Mm. Like letting people know that I think is a good thing. Um yeah. so knowing yeah, and then also just trusting in God because at the end of the day, like you know, using the analogy as the customer if you if you have faith in your carpenter, so to speak, that they know what they're doing, yeah. and that that you know, look at their past work, and you could say, "Wow, you did that staircase, you did right. this." Okay, I can see that you will turn my staircase into something I want it to right. be. And if we don't have that, then really that just shows a sort of a lack of faith on our mm-hmm. part of what God will ultimately do in our lives in the midst of our mess. You know, yeah. so yeah, the the two title 
sermon thing though was I I was initially going to do the Johnny it's not your party Mm -hmm. because it it reminded me of this story I think I shared Um, but he related it more to uh, like I'm looking at the the blog right now um, from where I got that from let me see here uh, uh, this story about Johnny and, and how this parent knelt down because he was all upset because this girl Susie was getting all these gifts and he wasn't. And this parent stooped down and said, Hey Johnny, it's not your party. And, and I think that's important because we often get upset when other people are getting things and we're not, but really it's not about us in that moment. It's about celebrating somebody else. Um, but he writes in, in this little article, it's a comical little scene, perhaps even cute, but the theology of those words, what this parent said to this kid, uh, stuck with this author, uh, throughout his life as I think about my life and the glory of God, I need to remind myself that this life is not my party. Uh, you and I have been born into a world that was created to celebrate God. This life is not our party. It's it's about God. The Bible is about God. The gospel is about God. Uh, salvation history is about God. The future is about God. Uh, my life is really not about me. It's about glorifying God, reflecting God. And we're just happy to be at the party and we're happy to be invited to the table, but we're not the center of the party. God, God is that, but we often do that. And I think when we come to the Bible, we open the Bible and think, okay, let's see what this has to do with my life. And that's not a horrible question, but that's not the first question. The first question is how, what is this story teaching and teaching me about God? How can I know him? And, and so that's where I think it's, it was why I was thinking about talking about it in this sermon, because it's not about us. It's about God's work in the Jewish people. And, Mm -hmm. and so I, that's where I thought I was going to lean sort of direction. But anyway, I don't know to go with another one. And in one sense, I guess I used both of them. You did. (laughs) You really did. Preach two sermons. Uh, They're both good points. Yeah. yeah. They're both good points. I think there's a good teaching application to when you come to the Bible, you know, don't, don't be so self-centered. I think that's a good point. Right. And I think, yeah, we see that, but also just that there's a work in progress and we need to, you know, trust God for the, for the fulfillment of it. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting, too, as you ask the question, like, how do we overcome that discouragement? And in some sense, hearing I'm not the center of this story could be more discouraging because everything feels like it does. I Like, I always know when I'm hungry because mm. I feel hungry. You know, like mm. you're sitting next to me at this table, you know, like there's my neighbors, there's the my church, like ev- like stuff naturally revolves around us because we are us and that's where we see everything in the world from our own perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's so natural to think about ourselves at the center of everything because it feels like it just being honest. Like if, as we go through life, it does feel that way. And I think it's interesting that doesn't feel encouraging to just hear, well, it's not about you. It seems like that should be uh, a discouraging thing to come to the conclusion to, but as we see over and over in the Bible, like whoever loses his life saves it. Yeah. And when we are finally able to like not be so self-centered, not so preoccupied with what we yep. need and what our yep. wants, we actually find a more fulfilling life. Yes. And anyone who's been a Christian for a while has experienced that. Yeah. 
but it's so hard to explain it to someone what that's like. And it's even hard to remind yourself because you immediately fall back. <laughs> like, I'm not saying, like, because I've been a Christian for a while, I'm never selfish anymore because I'm selfish all the time. Mm-hmm. But those few glimpses of life where I'm not the center mm-hmm. of everything, like, they really are the best moments in life. Yep. Um, and it, it's just really hard to explain that to someone. It takes it takes faith and yeah. trust to believe that that could be true. You know. Yeah. Yeah, two examples jumped to my head as you were saying that is that for so long uh, a a demographic of humanity believed that the sun went around the earth. Yeah. Mm. And then they realized, oh, it's totally the other way around, right? We're going around the sun. And and obviously that because that's perspective, right? It looks like the sun is going around the earth. Um, but why wouldn't we think that when everything else revolves around us? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember I was earlier this week too. I, I talked to Kari, uh, on the phone, Kari oh. Johnson and, uh, who used to work here mm-hmm. and who left us and went off to Missouri, yeah. um, to worser and lesser things, <laughs> yeah. um, not better and greater things. That's for sure. No, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing because it doesn't matter any, no, anyway. So it was great having a conversation. <laughs> I, it was great having a conversation with her, but she asked me a question that people often ask me, like, what has God been teaching you? Mm. And I'm like, it's pretty much the same lesson he's been teaching me for almost four years now, which is that I'm not in control. Yeah. And it, it was just kind of mindful of that, that situation here. Like I, I can't control, um, what's going on around the world. I can't control what other people do. I just, the decisions that they make and, um, I guess I could just somewhat to some degree control my response to those things, but yeah, it's not, a, it's not about me. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that, that like going back to earlier illustration I used a few weeks ago about the, the telescope being backwards and l- us looking at things through the wrong lens and the wrong perspective, just a backwards lens. Um, Elijah was a good example of that in this passage. Like mm-hmm. here's Elijah, this guy who was this superstar prophet and courageous and bold and and yet here he is hiding in a cave and thinking he's the only one, the only one left who's still staying faithful to God and and I I feel like that I feel like there's a lot of Christians who feel that way right now that they're the only ones. Mm in their workplace that they're only like only their church is staying faithful or, or that all the churches are failing, you know, that all the churches aren't being faithful to the gospel, that they're crumbling all over the place. And I remember when, when I was thinking about coming up here and doing ministry in the Northwest five years ago and, and people talk about Portland as this just ghastly wasteland Mm -hmm. of there is no Christians up there. Oh my gosh. They're all doing seance dances and it's just, (laughs) you know, it's just horrible. And then I, we came up here and visited and I'm like, there's like several rocking churches up here. And I remember actually finding that a little bit annoying that people would cast this image of like, Oh dude, it's just dark, dark, dark. And it, trust me, it's dark up here but it's not like there's no light up here either there's a lot of christians the the good news and why i was excited about coming up here is because the difference between light and dark is obvious Mm. it's not like moving to other parts of this country 
where those lines are super blurred where someone could say they're a Christian, but really they're just cultural Christians. They, they party and, and do all that stuff, you know, during the week and on the weekends and then they go to church on Sunday. And you know, that's, that's, we don't want to have that. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was just more that feeling of being alone and, it's just a wasteland up there and yeah. uh i yeah so we're not we're not alone and there's a bunch of churches that and pastors that we're connected to that are killing it wherever they are you know we we don't have to feel alone you know we're not the only ones standing up for righteousness here leading our people uh people faithfully and um that that encourages me but how easy it is to be elijah in moments when they're really, really hard, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Have you guys ever felt that way? Well, I think as you were talking, I was thinking, well, I was <clears throat> mostly reminded of you said in your sermon, even if Elijah was alone. Yeah. Like he still had God on his side. Like, and there is, you can't surround yourself with enough people to outweigh that benefit of having God on your side or having Jesus in your life. Many people would take loneliness to have a real sense uh, of Jesus. But luckily God doesn't call us to that. He he calls us to be a part of a of a community and yeah. a, and a part of a gathering of believers. Um so that's kind of what I was thinking of but also Yeah, go ahead. I was just as you were talking I was thinking about Paul in Corinth in in Acts, yeah, yeah. you know. It's the, kind of the same yep. thing where he's he's wondering and they're, you know, at place at times earlier, they're like reviling him and he's shaking off his garments to them as they oppose him. And he, and then he has a vision and God says to him, do not be afraid, go on speaking, do not be silent for I am with you and no one will attack you or harm you for I have many in the city who are my people. Right. And yeah, I think that that encouragement, um, is kind of the same that that you know god's giving to elijah hey there's a remnant like i have chosen people here and i need you to do the work and i think yeah it is it's easy for us to get off track so i think one way is just to remind ourselves of that reality that there even though it seems like there's no one uh guess what there are (laughs) there are and you know we don't have a number at least god may not be giving us a number as he did to elijah but he but he has many you know that's what he's saying Mm -hmm. to paul and i think the same is true for us in whatever context yeah yeah and and your the point you bring up there is the same one cody's making like but jesus was with him (laughs) Mm. i i am with you and i have many people in this city and i think that's what he you know he's saying to elijah here too is god is with him Mm. and even if you're super down on yourself and even if you were completely alone like god is with you and there may be a situation where and, and leaders talk about this uh christian leaders pastors where they say being a leader is an extremely lonely thing uh especially leading a church and i think to some degree that's true i think in another degree that's a little bit overstated um maybe you're just not putting yourself out there enough or something like that you know or you're isolating yourself but yeah sometimes you make decisions and it feels lonely but you have this assurance that at the end of the day even if the whole world is against you like god is with you and that is that's the best promise of all and i mean i remember when i became a christian i had this thought of i could lose everything tonight 
and if I didn't have Jesus, I would I would be empty. I would mm. have nothing. But if I lost everything tonight and I had Jesus, I would have everything. And because what what is a truck? What is a <laughs> a right. job? I'll get a new job. You know what what does it matter? You know as but all that stuff could go away. And if I have Jesus, then I have everything I could ever possibly want or need mm-hmm. and be satisfied in. And and I think that is a a really really good encouragement. But it's that it's when fear sets in and we let our temporal momentary circumstances as hard as they may be and as messy as they are to not to blind us from faith to see what is the unseen right to see from god's perspective what he's Mm -hmm. ultimately doing and i think that's what he says it's like man if you had faith you'd see that i have seven thousand people um like like Jesus said to the disciples, you know, open up your eyes. The fields are white for harvest. Like yeah. your eyes are not seeing with the eyes of faith. And I think that's an, that's a really important. And reminder. I mean, you know, basic. He's he's alone in a cave. Yeah, there's no one else but you. You're yeah, alone yeah, in yeah. a cave. You bro. went to the cave. Get out. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a little bit cynical, but the reality is, like, of course, we're going to think we're the only one when we're not actually in our communities talking to people. Right. You know what I mean? And putting ourselves in situations where we might be able to find those thousands who are out there when we feel like we're alone. And Mm -hmm. I mean, you brought up like your workplace Mm -hmm. and it is true that oftentimes, uh, you know, we may feel like we are a a minority voice in the workplace. And yet if, have you talked to everyone there? Like, have Mm -hmm. you been friendly and accessible and interested in everyone so that you might meet the other handful of folks who are Christians or, Mm -hmm. or even beyond that, maybe there's some people in there who are questioning their ideas about God and you opening up the conversation might be the thing God uses to bring them to faith. And now all of a sudden the one that you thought you were the only one there, now there are two, you know, and you continue to see how God moves. So I think the other thing is, you know, trusting in God, having faith, seeing through those eyes, but also getting out there and actually getting a good picture of the people. Yeah. 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 I, you're, you, the isolation and I, I remember hearing a little phrase a long time ago about don't listen to yourself, preach to yourself. Yeah. And because going back to the theme of isolation over the last 18 months, you isolate yourself and then you get caught in in the voice of your own head or you just sit there and listen to media all day long, Mm -hmm. which is completely sensationalized and heinous. Um and and these are the only voices that you're hearing and you're not you're not preaching truth scriptural truth uh divine perspective truth into your mind and saying no i'm going to think upon these things that which is true and lovely and honorable and mm-hmm. you know the stuff that i don't know paul encourages us to set our minds on not on these other things um sensationalized truth but but people do that all the time and it's dangerous and it leads us into further uh, isolation and fear and we're un unable and incapable and to some degree unwilling to listen to anything else or anybody else's opinion and so we need the lord to come in like he did to elijah and say hey what are you doing here what are you doing here what why are you why are you sitting here isolated in your home why are right. you sitting here in a cave why why what are you doing here like you need to get back and doing what i told you to do like you need, I remember this guy a long time ago, uh, asked me, Hey, should the church be more member driven or mission driven? And yeah, I want to see people be mission driven. And, and, and of course the question was 
based on like, should we coddle to members needs Mm -hmm. or should we focus uh, our members and ourselves and leadership decisions on the mission? And to some degree it's both, but it's primarily like, Hey, God has called us to a work here and uh, we don't, we don't have time to just sit around and that's not our calling. You know, we want to be focused on, uh, on the mission and what we're supposed to be supposed to be doing. But anyway, yeah. I apologize too to anybody listening who also heard the message on Sunday and felt like I did a spoiler alert for Dune. <laughs> you did two spoilers. Oh alerts. man. Yeah. I think people probably felt that way because you said spoiler alert and then, and then said did it anyway. spoilers of the movie. <laughs> That's probably why spoilers. they, they might have yeah. felt that way. Well, also, <laughs> did you expect us to stick our fingers in our ear while you're preaching and just, <laughs> as Cody was saying, la, 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 I la, listen. I only heard one of the spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a great movie. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't feel like I really spoiled it because, A, there's books out there anyway. That's true. You can Google uh, this. There was already a movie in 1984. Yeah. This is a a remake. and It's true. People had their chance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually watched the movie, and I felt like there are probably people who already know the story yeah. who came to watch this movie. And that's, like, people are raving about the movie because, not because of the storyline. Everybody knows the story. It's been around... I don't know, since like the 60s or the 70s or something, the book came out. Yeah. So the story's been around. No, I'm not before raving that, about that. I think before that. I think it's like early 1900s. No, think? no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. reals? You got to look. Oh, no, no, no. Maybe no, no, 60s. No, no. Maybe I'm thinking, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways, it's been around for a long time. It's been around. Yeah. Ar- but yeah. the movie, the, the prior movie came out in like sci fi, um, like the climax of all things sci fi in the 80s. And but it was in 1984, which was a great year, the year I was born. 65. So 65 was when the original book was written. But people are raving about this movie, Dune, not because of the storyline. Everybody knows the story, but because of the music. Hans Zimmerman, I think. And this Zimmer. Yeah. Hans Hans Zimmerman. Sure. (laughs) And (laughs) you're um, the music guy. I know I should know, but I don't. Every great musician is named Hans. Hans. Yeah. And uh, I can't think of another one. We used start to, a worship we used leader to, at our last year. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He was the I music was like, director. I was like, I can't think of one other Hans. And he was a great, great musician. Good dude, too. Is and, one of the Metallica uh, guys named Hans? I don't know. I don't know. Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> and then, uh, and the cinematography was insane. Yeah. So both of those things, and the acting was really good. Yeah. So that's why you want to go see the movie. Yeah. So even if Aaron ruined the entire plot for you, totally, you still want to watch. You it. still want to see the cinematography <laughs> and all of the other stuff. And yeah, it's really yeah. I thought it was a great movie. Good time. Whatever helps. It's you a good analogy, tonight. though. Obviously, you know when referencing referencing the psalm and how the yeah. the table has become the snare and right. trap. I thought that was that was helpful explanation so even though i haven't seen the movie i think i still tracked you with the analogy i thought it was helpful yeah yeah yeah. so um anything else on this there's probably a lot more that we're not touching here we hit a little bit of a lull maybe we should maybe we should transition we got a question we got a question. We got, oh, some, question. we got some stuff coming up at the church we wanted to mention oh yeah yeah we got a christmas party coming up yeah Mm. lots of stuff we got a christmas party what day is talk about the question first do you want to I don't my, know. I my don't notes know. have the announcements. Oh, higher, okay. Go ahead. You got it. I'm just saying, we have a Christmas party coming up. That's right. 
So ugly sweater. There's that announcement. What sweater are you gonna do? <laughs> well, no, let's not say it. Let's make it a surprise. Yeah. Ooh, but we are doing an ugly one. sweater. I think maybe this might be helpful if people haven't noticed when we when we say we're doing something, like we mean it. Yeah, <laughs> we want like we want you to try. We're all gonna try. We want yes. you to try. You know, go all in. I know people know. Some people noticed that at the trunk or treat, they were like, "Man, I'm making my trunk better next year. Look at all these people that <laughs> yep. did cooler stuff than me." So like, we're gonna we're gonna go for it. Totally. When they saw you dressed like Dwight from the office, yeah. they're like, "Dang, he went all in on this." Yeah. So and the ugly sweater that's pretty easy. You can get a regular sweater and a sewing needle, yeah. and you can ugly it up yourself. So. Do you but, think yeah, I say go for it? Some of the ladies in our our quilting, our quilting ladies will make us some ugly they quilt sweater. Us a sweater. Do you think they'll be able to quilt us a, a good ugly sweater? Um, I don't know if you can quilt a sweater. It's like two you different. Can, you you take a sweater, you put on quilt patches. That is the epitome of ugly okay. Christmas. <laughs> okay, if you're combining quilts and sweaters, then yeah, you probably could. I get it, dude. That, I, I would love to have but a I was quilt knitting, for a sweater. Knitting and quilting. That's are, true. Are two different that is true. That is true. <laughs> but those, I'm sure those ladies would know how to do that. So I, I was Michelle was tempted uh, to buy me this Donald Trump one. Oh no! And but it's it's just funny. It it says uh, on the sweater. It says this is going to be a great great Christmas. Very special. Very <laughs> merry. Really terrific. Everyone agrees. The best one ever. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really funny, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah, because it's really it's really just an expensive sweater. So but we do it. need. <laughs> It is free. Yeah. We are. It's we free. have food for but free. But you have to register. We have to register. We do right. have a limit. Where we, we wish register? we didn't. With a waiting list, but yes, you have to register. We wish we didn't have to, but we don't have that much space. Yep. Oh. But it's going to be fun. Canbechristian.org. Register. Yeah. <laughs> now. If you're interested, if you're interested in playing a family feud style Christmas game, Ooh. hit me up. If you think your family pulling back the curtain, the games. Yeah. Watch out. Yeah, we're gonna do some giveaways, right? We'll do a little giveaway thing there. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah. fun. But are we, so we're having a competition though with the funniest Christmas the sweater. sweater. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. we'll vote. We'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll select the obvious top few, and we'll let people. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll set up a committee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be a judge, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, men's huddle. Yeah, men's huddles men's coming huddles up this coming week up this on Saturday. Saturday. This Saturday. All right. This Saturday, men's huddle. What's the date in case someone's listening to it after this Saturday? November 20th. November 20th. 8.30 in the morning. Show yep. up. There will be, be there. food. Anything else going on at the church? Uh, well, there's a lot coming up, but... Yeah, we're getting into the busiest season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's pace ourselves. Exactly. So we did have a question then. Yeah, we had a question. We had a question. Really, it's kind of, it was more of a statement that we're forming into questions. Yeah. A little bit. But it, so I'll, I'll say one of the questions, uh, when we'll get to the, the bigger part of the question, but one of the questions you could form from that is, should we talk about giving at church? Mm-hmm. Should we talk about it? Should we announce it? And uh, we haven't been as much lately, but I know you've said you think we should more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the question is, should we talk about it? Should we talk about giving yeah. on Sunday mornings? And then maybe another related topic is, you know, what, wow. how much should I give? What should I give? Yeah. Yeah. Like why is, should I give, should I give a tithe, which is a 10%? Um, and does the Bible teach that in the new Testament? 
uh, why, yeah, just why do we give to yeah. the church? I, I was talking to a guy recently who is not a Christian, and I was, I don't know, he was just asking me questions about the church and just sort of, I don't know, it was it was a it was a great conversation, and he he was fascinated by that. So you guys just the church operates off of people just generously giving of their finances. And it I'm is like, an odd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the surface, an odd thing. I and, mean, and other nonprofits exist doing right. the same thing, but. But he, he owns a business, so he thinks about, you know, you sell a product and you do all these things. So anyway, he was just thinking about it from a different way. And obviously I'm trying to witness to this guy. And so I just told him, I'm like, yeah, I know that all sounds really weird, but in my experience, bro, God's always provided. Mm. Like, and and it's about it's about stewardship as well. And there's times where he provides more than what we need. And then there's times where we feel like we don't have what we need, but it's about being wise stewards with what God does give us. And there's times where he teaches us the lessons of like, hey, it's going to be lean for a while. You need to learn how to operate on this. And man, there's been I've seen it time and time again where I've got, metaphorically speaking, you know, just some fish and some loaves and somehow it gets multiplied and we're doing more ministry with less finances. Um, so yeah, it, it is, I mean, from the inception of the church in the new Testament, and we'll get into this in Romans. Um, but, and, and Paul talks about it in first Corinthians as well is this, these offerings that the church takes up for the purpose of ministry and missions. And Paul talks about it later on in some other epistles about supporting those who uh, labor in the word um, in, in your church. And it's, it's changed over time, but yes, to, to answer the question, should we talk about giving in church? Absolutely. Because it's a part of our discipleship. It's a part to one another. It's a part of our mission as um, as New Testament believers uh, to support the work of ministry, um, to support the work of ministry going out from this place, and to meet the needs of the congregation. And those are those are real tangible things. And we see in the early church in, in the book of Acts, one of the early responses to the gospel was they broke bread together they submitted to the teaching of the apostles and they were generous, like lavishly generous. Um, they were selling their properties even and laying the finances at the feet of the apostles. And it was, I, I don't know if at some point they had to turn them away because they're like, Hey, we got, we've got enough here. I, I doubt that happening because you never have enough, but it was almost like it seemed that way. Like there was just so much generosity flowing from those early believers as a sign of their conversion. Yeah. And well, that statement is crazy that there was no needy among yeah, them. No, what needy. an insane thing. Like we, we can't even conceptualize that. Like, and we're in the United States, like affluent places and we can't even like, uh, none of us have ever lived somewhere where there was no needy anywhere among us. Like right. we, all of us have probably always had, homelessness or poverty somewhere nearby and the fact that they were in obviously a very specific localized location able to accomplish that is pretty insane well i don't i don't think that he's saying there was no needy in their city you don't think so no well not in their city but in their community this community of believers in their community believers yes yes like there was no homeless christian yeah 
like every Christian was taken care of. Yeah. And I'm sure they were taking care of people outside of that. But and and I think that's the like important distinction is people say, well, if everyone gave 10 percent to their churches, we could solve world hunger. It's like uh, that's that's moving from A to Z, <laughs> like because if every Christian gave, we could support global evangelism and mission. I don't know if that would be enough to solve the bigger problem, which is global hunger yeah. or whatever other cause you could possibly come up with. Um, Cause yeah, then people start thinking of, well, does the Bible support socialism or whatever? It is? That's not what they're talking about. They're talking about supporting the needs of their church, local church family and the, by extension, uh, associating with other churches to plant more churches and to send missionaries out and things like that. Those needs are to be met mm-hmm. by the church. Um, and, and of course, beyond that, the churches can help organizations and things like that and, and individual Christians with meeting the needs of their community like we do here. We support, support the Canby Center mm-hmm. that helps meet the needs of people in our community, and we, we want to do those things too. But, yeah, it's not like the the community that the all these believers lived in, everybody was taken care of, you know? Yeah. Like Jesus said, the, the poor you'll always have among you. And mm-hmm. and I'm sure they did too. But every Christian's yeah. need was met, and we should be able to meet those needs, and not just physically, but spiritually mm-hmm. um, meeting people's needs. So, yes, we should talk about giving because it's an essential part of our mission and service to one another, uh, I also think you want to present people with opportunities to get engaged, and that's one of the opportunities. Um, the other aspect about giving is that I think money has a really it has a really strong pull on our idolatrous hearts, mm-hmm. and I th- I think that we feel like we can't live without that other 10% or 5% or whatever it is that somebody gives. Um, because all of us are, you know, paycheck to paycheck paying our bills and, uh, with inflation, things are just going up and up and up and life gets expensive. Um, but sort of the cliche thing is you can't afford not to give because (laughs) then you become greedy and you become dependent more on these few dollars. And there are seasons of, of life where, things get really tight and maybe the church might even need to step in and help you. And so that's where we don't want to get legalistic about giving yeah. um, because there are some people who need the, need the, their needs met through the giving of other Christians. Um, but I also think we need to guard against greed and the yeah. best way to guard against greed is to be generous, intentional generosity. Yeah. And I think I've seen, I think I've seen one, um, and and you can disagree if you don't think it's the same thing, but I think I've seen a way that kind of greed and control can work its way into your giving as well in the sense that yeah, yeah. I think there's value in, in giving to your church or whatever community of believers you've committed to, just giving to it and, and not... Um, Controlling the process, yeah, and not and trusting them to do it. I think because I think there's like a type of greed and a type of control that says like, okay, I'll give, but like, I'm gonna say exactly what you're what gonna this do with goes it. To. I'm yes. gonna give to this exact thing, or I'm gonna give exactly to this 
you know, type of ministry or like there's a there's a way that we go about giving sometimes that betrays an attitude of control. And yeah. it shows like that we are giving and we're being generous. We're giving, but we're still kind of like having ownership over our mm-hmm. money. My money is going to do this thing. Mm-hmm. My money is going to do that thing. Yeah. And I think that's kind of an interesting attitude that I think is really common among people is we still want to control exactly what our money does and where it goes, which is a fine line because you shouldn't just keep throwing money at a random ministry that's doing bad work or that isn't effective. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't just keep chucking money at it. Mm -hmm. That's not good stewardship. So there's this weird fine line, but I think we all kind of have to check our hearts as we get. Well, that's a great point to bring up because here at this church, what and what you call that is restricted giving. So you, when you have somebody who gives to a church and they say, hey, I want to donate $5,000 or let's say $500 or whatever, and I want it to go to this thing, this ministry or this project because they're passionate about it. Um, if If you receive that under that understanding, then you are restricted to only use those funds for that project. Hmm. But we have a policy here where we don't receive restricted giving unless the elders decide we are going to do this project or we are doing this capital campaign beforehand. Like beforehand yeah. And then we go to the congregation and say, hey, we are going to raise extra funds beyond our budget for this particular project. Are you willing to give to that? And then some people can give uh, restrictively. Um, to that particular project that is outside of the budget. In past, you're right. People would be upset about some leadership or they really want their mission organization supported and they don't want this other one supported that is actually on the budget. And so they don't give to the budget. They don't give to the general fund. They, they put on their check or their memo or whatever it is, hey, we want it to go to this particular ministry. And really it's undermining the leadership and it's undermining the congregation who voted on a budget earlier that year. We know that the budget line says X amount of dollars for this ministry, but we feel like it should be 5,000 or we should like 5,000 more, you know? And so they give directly to that, but that's undermining the rest of the congregation who voted to say, no, this is, this is what the amount will be. This is what the leadership decided. And, and it actually hurts the church when people do things like that. And, and again, going back to that biblical model, you know, these people, they trusted the apostles and they laid uh, their finances at, at the apostles' feet. And the shocking story, um, Ananias <laughs> and Sapphira, right? Oh, boy. Is they tried to control the process, like we were talking about earlier, not just the product, but the process. And, uh, yeah, they died. Yeah. <laughs> right. They, they died. did. They, they, they did. lied to the Holy spirit, but ultimately they, they died. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and as an example of how, how seriously God takes that sort of thing, stewardship and the way we handle our finances, honesty, not just lying to the Holy spirit, but you're harming the church. And, and yeah, it is a very serious thing and why we take uh, transparency mm-hmm. in our stewardship very seriously um, from, from the staff end and a leadership end, but why other why people giving should also trust, trust their leadership. And if, if anyone has questions, ask those questions. And if they disagree, then they can disagree. But 
at the end of the day, you know, they need to submit to the leadership and the congregation's um, call to how they're going to spend those things. But I, again, I think transparency builds trust and that's how we want to be here. Um, but yes, Christians ought to give for all those reasons we've already outlined. Um, some principles on giving is we are all stewards, um, yep. stewards of time. So we should be giving of our time uh, to the church and to serving. So we're stewards of time, talent. We all have a gift to be used in the church. Uh, treasure. You know, we all have resources that we should be using for the kingdom and truth. We've been, we're stewards of truth. Uh, God hasn't called the heathen to go to the heathen, right? He's called to his, his people to go to non-Christians to share the good news. And so we have a stewardship and he will hold us responsible for those, for the way we steward his resources in our time, talent, treasure, and truth. Um, it's a means of worship, which is why to some degree it's a part of our our service time, which is odd, if I'm going to be honest, because a huge percentage of our people are giving online now, mm-hmm. which is a which is a big blessing. Mm-hmm. It's a blessing that technology has brought in, and uh, and I think it's a blessing to people who are giving it. It allows them to be consistent and faithful and calculated and all of those things. Um, and so I do want to give a word of appreciation and, and thanks to people who give in that way. And, and you can do it still worshipfully, yeah. uh, without doing it in the Sunday service. Um, you're doing it online prior to even showing up. Um, but yeah, I think giving, I, I, like I give 10% and I have no problem saying what that is. It's not a dollar amount, but I, I give a tithe, but I also think that, we don't need to be the like the new testament is isn't strict about a tithe yeah um it's saying set aside an amount um i think some principles if someone is thinking about they're a new giver they've never really given before and then when they calculate on their calculator man if i did 10 percent, it would be this whoa i don't know if i can do that right now you know this is what i would encourage that person with uh be generous so just start giving something, be consistent, be regular with it. It's not like, oh man, I haven't done this in six months, you know, be, be generous, be consistent, be sacrificial. Hmm. If, if somebody makes a hundred thousand dollars a year and they're given $20 a month, <laughs> you know, that's not sacrificial. That's like, you didn't have two lattes or three lattes in a <laughs> month, you know? Um, so yeah, be, be sacrificial. You want your offering of, of worship and service to the church you want to feel it a little bit, you know, but probably the more important thing is be joyful. Yeah. You know, you, you want to give from a joyful heart and thankful that you have the opportunity to support ministry. And if you're doing it legalistically, don't do it. Of course, check your heart, I guess yeah. would be the cliche phrase, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, we want people to be giving generously, consistently, sacrificially and joyfully. Um, as unto the Lord and for his people. Um, but yeah, yeah I think but, but I, don't, I don't talk about it. The reason why I don't talk about it though, Cody, the last, I don't know, year and a half is because, um, I don't know. It's just, it's my fault. You know, I don't, I don't, I feel like there's a lot of churches out there that shear the sheep and in a, in a church that is very generous like ours, um, 
people know they understand of course yeah. we've got a lot of new people though so it probably would be good to start talking about it more just really it's just ways to give and and why we give i mean it could be a two-minute exhortation on a sunday morning it mm -hmm. doesn't have to be a whole sermon um even what we're talking about right now yeah. um but i think you know you never really know how people are walking in and how other churches have sort of uh abused them financially right. or yeah, so I think right. There's always the people walking in and going, "Oh, there it is. There it is. I knew it. I knew this guy was going to try to take my money." Right, right, yeah. right. And it is. It's an awkward thing for pastors to talk about when they are like paid by the church. Sure. Um, yeah. So I think like, yeah, it's there's the obvious thing. Right. I'm getting pay my salary's coming out of this, mm. but it's kind of a weird thing too because we give back part of that salary to the, you know, like yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, all yeah. of it's weird when you're a pastor like paid by the church. So right, right, it's right. an interesting topic, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see how you broach it in the future. Yeah, so yeah. You want to talk about? Well, it they probably just heard it right now. So yeah, I'm not gonna say anything new probably. So we're we're gonna wrap it up right now oh. with a little bit of. Bible trivia. <laughs> I still haven't. Yeah. I still haven't got the thing. All right, here it is. In all of the Bible, there's only one named person who's left-handed. Oh my! <laughs> what a great question. Who is he? Who's left? There's a clue right there. It's a he. Um, who's left-handed? Huh. It was somebody holding a sword, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but I want to say Matthew or Levi. I don't mm. know why. Um, no. Okay. No, do you want a, I Matthew. feel like it's... Do you want a book? you want a clue? Uh, yeah, give me a clue. Is it Old Old Testament? It's Old Testament. Uh, yeah. It's in Judges. Is it... Uh, um, in Judges. Is it Samson? It's not... I don't know, then. No. I, I'm not going to get it. You stumped me. You ready? It is Ehud. Oh, of Ehud. course. Ehud. The left-handed warrior. <laughs> I knew that. Used by God to save the Israelites from being oppressed. He was a, he was a judge of Israel yeah, for 80, judge, yeah. 80 years. But he comes from the tribe of Benjamin, which is weird because for some reason the tribe of Benjamin has a bunch of left-handed people. Like I bet you Paul was left-handed. Maybe it was like they like he they was from Benjamin. or they even like trained left-handed, like because to it gave them a it gave them an upper-handed battle. Mm. They could use their switch stance mm. as they did their MMA fighting. I guess I, I find <laughs> it strange. My daughter Adeline is left-handed, and I I don't know a yeah. single person in my family who's left-handed. Maybe Michelle you either. have some tribe of Benjamin in your ooh in no. your family. No. <laughs> maybe. She's All like right. she's well, a little I'm, like Ehud. She could slay. I'm glad that we know that. Now I can worship God that much more. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, know that, that Ehud was left-handed. Useful. Ehud was left-handed. That's a good one. Anyways, well, thank you for listening today, and uh, we hope uh, we hope that you will consider what we talked about with your finances. But don't be so sacrificial that you can't go to the barber and you cut a hole in the back of your head. <laughs> yes. <laughs>